Blog Talk Radio. The headlights are a cut in the fog on a midnight highway. And 18 wheels are a driving through the dawn. There's a Blue Ridge Mountain sunrise filling the mirror. Ashtrays full, the coffee's almost gone And the truckers heading west to Colorado Passing the miles with his friends on the CB code And tonight the truck stops somewhere out in nowhere And tomorrow's the wind and the open road
that I am on duty not driving, and I can't change that. So consequently, folks, I'm having a hard time with this electronic law trying to keep everything together. Um, that, and I have been going back on duty like at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Now, normally, when I run, I usually, I'm either delivering at 3 a.m. or I'll lay down at 3 a.m. and sleep till about 7 or 8. I can't do that because there's a 14-hour rule that says once you start your day, you have to you have to work 14 consecutive hours and then you have to take a 10-hour break. It used to be. I could start, say, at noon and I could run to 5 in the afternoon and then I could lay down in the bunk for two hours and I could log out two, three, or four hours and then I could go and and run a couple more hours, and then I could lay down in the bunk and uh, and make up, you know, say I logged five hours off duty uh, from 5, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. Then I could get back up at 10 o'clock, and I could run, and before my 10 hours of driving is up, i got to log another five hours worth of, in the bunk, 10 hours driving and 10 hours in the bunk. Well, they changed all that. Now it's it's 11 hours driving and it's 14 hours on duty. And it's 14 consecutive hours. You cannot go over 14 straight hours. So you can do 11 hours driving and 3 hours on duty not driving. But after that 14th hour, no matter what you do, you have to take a 10 hour break. This is killing me, folks. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at my log right here and I laid down... Um, one o'clock in the morning, I slept till two forty-five, and then at five thirty in the morning, I laid down until nine o'clock. But I had to go off duty at one p.m. because I started at eleven p.m. That's 12, that's fourteen hours. Now I'm on a ten-hour break, and I also have another two hundred and fifty miles to go between now and six o'clock tomorrow morning for my delivery. And I can't fudge any of this. This is really screwing me up, folks. And I can see I'm going to be in trouble when I start getting multiple deliveries in the morning. Anyway, um, that's what we're doing. Uh, Lou, I, and I was just telling everybody that uh, you called in and said you would be a little late because of the weather. So give us a weather update here real quick, and then we'll get into the show. Well, there was uh, one stretch that I go that had zero visibility between a torrential downpour and fog. And that's why I called in because I didn't know how far it went between where I was and home. So yeah. it cleared about the time I got to the 75, and I, I just made sure I got here before it closed back up again. So basically that's what's happening. I mean, it's rolling all over the state. Yeah. Because I've had customers come in from different areas telling me the same thing, you know, all afternoon. One lady came in, she said, I am so sorry, I know you're headed north and you're going right in it. And she yep. was right, I was going right into it, so, because she had just come wow. from this direction. So she knew what was going on there. I don't know about south, I don't know about the Leesburg way. I haven't heard from David yet as to whether he got home or not. That's my son, <laughs> everybody out there. Yeah. Um. I don't know what it's doing down there. So earlier when I checked the radar on my phone, there was nothing was happening down there. But up here in this area, I'm from Gainesville all the way through where I live in the Ocala area, just all solid, a solid wall of nothing but storm. Yeah. So that's it for right now. Um, at the moment, it's doing more of a sprinkle than anything else, but it's still black. So it can still come back in. That's it. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I'm going to be down there. Uh, I'll be down there tomorrow evening. Uh, I have a delivery up by Atlanta in the morning. And then my next delivery is Tuesday morning. 
uh, down by Plant City, Florida, which is between Lakeland and uh, Orlando off of Interstate 4. I've got that delivery for Tuesday. I'm off Wednesday, and I will be up in Ocala visiting Meridu and my dog. Right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So anyway, everybody's telling me, um, be careful, you know, you're going into bad weather and all that. Well, I really hate them backup alarms. They're, they're just nothing but annoying to me. Oh, yeah, try it on the little carts inside of Walmart. Yeah. They're a higher pitch than what that was. Yep. Did you hear mm-hmm. that, Pete? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Well, I've got you on speaker. I figured. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to... I'm pulling up an article here. Um, this past Sunday morning, there was uh, a shooting down by Roanoke, Virginia. And it was a, um, a film cameraman and a female television reporter were interviewing a woman from a local Chamber of Commerce office. And apparently, uh, a guy came up to them while they were filming. Now, this was a live shot um, in more ways than one. This this was a live production. A guy came up to him, stood basically between the the reporter and the cameraman, uh, and started shooting. Porter hit the cameraman, killed those two, uh, hit the lady from the com- Chamber of Commerce, and she's now out of the hospital. Anyway, there are a number of people that have looked at this and said, this is not real. Now, a couple of things here. As a person who has been shot, several times um, it isn't real your brain cannot process the, the the shooting as it occurred and I'm telling you that folks your your brain refuses to understand what is happening to you now a person who has been shot at and shot multiple times you know they, they start to recognize the symptoms the, the burning and itching and all of that. And and I'm being kind of funny here, but this is something that most people's brains cannot fully process. doesn't look real. And, it, and I'm telling you it doesn't look real because most of you have seen multiple shootings on TV that were staged for the production. You know, people who are shot just don't flop over. They can run. They can function. It just depends on where they were shot, uh, how much blood loss they have, you know, and and a couple of other factors. But we're so used to TV gunfire that when the real thing happens, we don't recognize it for what it is. Now, the last time I was shot was was in the leg, um, and it shattered the bone just below the knee, and no, I couldn't run. My, my leg gave out from underneath me. It just, you know, I just fell over sideways. Um, but I have been shot in, in the, you know, in the in the side, right in the stomach. I've been shot in the arm, and I've been able to function pretty good. You know, obviously, I'm still here. So something worked out okay. Um. There are a number of people who are questioning this, whether this actually happened or not. And I'm one of those people that I'm questioning now for a number of reasons. And I pulled up an article that says 19, 19 hang on a second. I, I really hate my, uh, I need my mouse. Nineteen intriguing coincidences surrounding the Virginia shooting. Um, I posted the link on Twitter just before the show. 
the uh, the author of this is is saying that the Virginia shooting could be a false flag operation um, to uh, you know put on by the government basically uh, to uh, confiscate our guns. And the same thing was brought up with Sandy Hook and the Isla Vista, California, UC uh, Santa Barbara shootings. Been a number of shootings in this country that have been the platform for the anti-gun people in in one respect or another. And this guy thinks that the uh, Virginia Roanoke Virginia shooting is the same thing. And he lists 19 points of contention. Uh, we're going to go through them real quick, Lou. Okay. Uh, and, and you know, you and I talked about this on the phone the other day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Point number one, and Lou and I, big man with a gun pointed directly at two people just a few feet away. No one notices and no one cares. No one looks at the gunman even once, despite his brandishing a normal-sized gun. Peripheral vision must be a conspiracy also. Instead, the two women carry on with their conversation. It says, you couldn't make this up. Don't believe it? Watch the video for yourself. And I've seen the video. A lot of you have seen at least the still picture. The guy is is, less than 10 feet from the women. He's pointing the... he has um, he has his cell phone camera on on video and he's taping this and you can clearly see the gun pointed at the women. The women are half turned towards him. They don't see him now. Um, there was another article that I saw that said the uh, their survivor, the lady from the Chamber of Commerce, said that she couldn't see anything because the TV camera lights were in her face. Okay, I can believe that. I've, I've done stand-up interviews. Um, I've done in-studio interviews. And yeah, folks, them lights are bright. You have to keep yourself from looking directly into the light. Now, a lot of the, um, a lot of the news people have cameras where they have like a little it's almost like a selfie stick that sticks out of it and the lights are are a foot or maybe a foot and a half away from the camera itself most of the time they are to the right they they hang out to the right of the camera itself they're kind of like an outboard rigger so that you can look directly into the camera lens and not get blinded by the direct light and it makes for a better shot, too. The lighting is a little better. But I can believe that the woman didn't see the shooter because the light would have been in her eye. Now, TV reporter is a professional reporter. If you watch any kind of live interview, you'll see the reporter glance every once in a while directly into the camera. That's because they're making sure that they're staying in focus of the, of the shot. She glanced into the camera and never saw this guy standing there. Now, this is not a stranger with a gun, folks. This is a person who accused this woman of being a racist. She would have recognized him. He was a big black guy to begin with. She would have recognized him, saw the gun, and took action. She didn't. Kept interviewing the woman. Now, point number this leads me into point number two real quick. After clearly pointing the gun at his victim, shooter does not shoot. The video shows what turns out to be some kind of rehearsal pointing. It says, who points a gun at people in broad daylight, practices what he's going to do, and then after not pulling the trigger, waits around to repoint the gun again a minute later. He's standing there for up to a minute with this gun pointed at these people, and they're not paying any attention. 
the video. You see him pointing the gun at them. And you can start counting, 1,001, 1,002, et cetera, et cetera. 30 seconds to a minute, and nobody pays any attention to him. Okay, point number three real quick. Cameraman conveniently pointing camera away, even though the interview is taking place now. Watch as the cameraman is inexplicably shooting footage in a direction unrelated to the interview taking place, providing the perfect entrance for the apparently invisible shooter. Okay, now, doing live interviews. Sometimes the cameraman will pan away for just a second or two and give you an idea of the scene. Here's where we are. And you've seen this, especially down in South Florida or Central Florida, Lou, where they're doing a live interview at Disney and they'll pan across the crowd real quick and they'll come back to the person. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's not unusual. So we just discounted that, right? Yes, number, we did. number three, pointing the camera away is not unusual. Okay, shooter is super close to cameraman who somehow has no idea he's there. Um, Point number four said that the shooter was right next to the cameraman and the cameraman didn't see him. Well, folks, the cameraman has a big heavy piece of equipment hanging off of him and he's looking into the camera lens and trying to keep the shot focused in the frame. Um, If you've ever used a, a, uh, a telescope, you know that you put one eye to the telescope. The other eye, you don't close the other eye, but what happens to your other eye is that the your vision kind of goes blank. So he has his eye into the eyepiece of the camera, and if, if his other eye is open, it kind of goes blank. Same thing with a telescope. So number four, I'm saying there's... You know, what we're doing is we're coming up with logical explanations for this, right? Number four, how did a gunman know they were filming that day in that location? Easy. This is an easy answer, folks. The TV station promoted it. You know, when they do, when when they have a, a, a film crew that's going to go out on a scheduled shoot, you know, you're watching the 6 o'clock news, and all of a sudden the announcer will say, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Allison Parker will be interviewing such and such, uh, Mrs. Graham, from the Chamber of Commerce tomorrow morning at Bridgewater Crossing. They promote it. That's how he knew. The guy used to work for the TV station. He knows a promotion when he hears one. They would promote it because... They want you to watch it. Doesn't that sound reasonable, Lou? Yes, it does. Okay. Okay, now it says, number six, reporter never goes down or twitches after being shot multiple times. This says, everyone should go back and watch other videos of people being shot and look for the quick body switch, the jolt, and the instant collapse that happens when people get shot at point-blank range, which is when bullets do the most damage. To a certain extent, that's true. Nothing else, you're getting hit with a projectile at several hundred, up to, you know, what, 1,500 feet per second. So just the kinetic energy is going to push you. She didn't flinch. There were two shots, and she just stood there, folks. You know, you need to watch the video. And and I'm telling you, if you uh, are sensitive to blood and gore, don't worry about it, because there's no blood. woman was shot multiple times, and there was no blood. Has something else to think about. Okay. Um, that point, I will contend to him. 
because there was no blood there. No, it doesn't. It doesn't show blood and gore, folks. You can you can safely watch the film. Um, this is a point. It says shooter commits the usual suicide. Dead men tell no tales. Once again, the shooter does not live to tell the story. The perfect ending once again for the gun controllers. Shooters who contribute to possible future gun legislation apparently almost always conveniently kill themselves. And that's true. You know, we got Dylan Roof uh, in Charleston. We got him under wraps. He's alive. But for the most part, these mass shooters all commit suicide. This one, this next point, number eight, shooter puts out the usual manifesto. This guy had written uh, what they called a, what was it, a 23-page manifesto of all of his grievances. And he posted it between the shooting and the time that um, he died up on Interstate 66 in Northern Virginia. Um, The Virginia State Police uh, were chasing him. They chased him, obviously, they chased him up I-81 to I-66 And, folks, I'll tell you what, I know those roads because I used to live right there on the the junction of 66 and 81 in Stevens City, but right down by Winchester. Um, I'd have to run the mileages, but Roanoke, you're talking about a long way up I-81 to Interstate 66. Now, I think the shooting started was about 6 o'clock in the morning, and they got him about 1 in the afternoon. So that would be okay. I mean, he had enough time to get up on 66. No problem. But yeah, it seems like um, these shooters says, and this guy posted a big manifesto on Facebook, which has since been taken down, so we can't read it now. Anyway, it was all of his perceived grievances. It says, number nine, Video of shooting seems intended exclusively for shock value or no other purpose. Point of view video seems like it is most it, it is mostly intended to shock you and get a reaction from you as in problem reaction solution. He really doesn't get into anything with that. I don't I don't see it, folks. A, a guy that wants to go out and kill a couple of people. You know, this, this this guy Flanagan, or whatever his name was, did some really elaborate things. A 23-page manifesto. A cell phone camera video that he uploaded to YouTube. Uh, a manifesto that uh, that he uploaded to Facebook. You know, he he went through a lot here to put this all together. Okay, um, number 10, video conveniently now being censored by YouTube, um, James Foley style. And it says that uh, YouTube has decided to take down the videos. It's really too bad because I I think the public should see that. Hang on a second. My my truck's moved out of the way, Lou, so it's quiet. I can put the windows down. I do have a little noise on the right side. Okay. This is interesting, and we all saw this, folks. The media put out an image of the shooter based on the video camera footage, but we never see the footage, so where did they get this frame from? There was a picture, kind of a fuzzy picture of a guy standing over them, like the camera was laying on the ground. But we never saw the footage where that frame came from. Um, Point number 12, audio file of the shooting after camera cuts off sounds very different. 
The audio of the shooting sounds very different from the camera version due to its much. Point number 13, police order BBC journalists to delete video footage of shooter's crack. Um, I actually posted that story, folks, and somebody pointed it out to me that that wasn't true. And I, I did a little more research, and I looked at the original article. The original article was very good, very well written, but it appeared on Russia Today. Russia Today has, has a nasty habit of, of manufacturing news. Uh, and the person who took me to task said that, true, the BBC would be screaming all over the place, and they weren't. So, uh, police order BBC journalists to delete video, I would say that's completely false. Number 14, and I love this one. Family members quickly on TV calling for gun control, Sandy Hook style. I saw the interview um, with Allison Parker's father, Andy Parker. Not a cheer, not emotional except when he started talking about gun control. The guy had just lost a daughter that morning. The boyfriend of Allison Parker, another uh, TV reporter from the same station, was also being interviewed at the same time. And both of these guys were standing there joking and smiling. They had just gone through a a traumatic loss of a loved one that day got to see the interview, folks. And then I'll tell you what. Go to YouTube and type in Andy Parker, ABC 13. Now, here's something that a lot of people don't know, Lou. On Wednesday, the day before the shooting, another TV station, ABC 13, interviewed Andy Parker And all he did is talk about how wonderful his daughter was. They interviewed him the day before she was killed. That's why they interviewed him. They interviewed him so that he could tell people how wonderful his daughter was. The day before she gets killed? You know, think about it. How many fathers or mothers or, or brothers or sisters or husbands of or wives of TV people. How many loved ones of TV personalities get interviewed so that they can get up on TV and talk about how wonderful their TV reporter loved one is? The only time that I can recall a parent talking about uh, how wonderful their TV personality son was, was, uh, and I'm trying to think of his name, I'm drawing a blank. Damn it, Lou. I'm drawing a blank here. Anderson Cooper, his mother, was on television talking about how great Anderson was. But, this was for Mother's Day, folks. Other than yeah, that, have you, ever, have you ever heard of this where, you know, the father of a TV personality gets on there and gets interviewed talking about how great their kid is? I've, <clears throat> I've never really paid a whole lot of attention, truthfully, because most of that stuff doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, but I mean... That's pretty unusual. I would think so, yes. For any any parent to go on some show somewhere and and talk up their kid like that, especially if, if the child is already known, people can make up their own minds. They don't need a parent to tell them what to do. Well, like I said, Anderson Cooper actually has a famous mother. Um. I can't remember who she is, but she's like an old money woman. Mm. 
one of the one of the old money families of New York. Uh, can't think of what what it is, Hutton or somebody. I'm not sure. I'm not going to look it up, folks. But isn't it unusual that before this woman gets killed, this guy is on TV being interviewed about how great she is? That that's almost totally unheard of. The only thing we don't know is when this was set up. Was it that day, the day before, a month before, six months before? You mean set up, set up by by uh, the interview? Oh, you mean the, the interview? Yeah, that's that's hard. Yeah. To well, obviously, you know, completely innocent. It had to have been set up days or weeks in the past. So it may be totally unrelated. Yeah, and then. You know, it could also be um, that this killer saw the first interview and got mad enough to act. Mm Mm-hmm. That could have been the straw that broke his back. That could very well be. Because, you know, think about it. The guy, a a year ago, the guy filed racism charges against a woman. Mm-hmm. She hated her. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And she thought he thought in his mind that she hated him. And then he's on he's watching the day before, and he sees the girl's father talking about how great she is. And in his mind, she's not so great, and he's going to do something about it. Maybe that was the straw that broke his back. Could be. He knew she was doing a live shot the next morning because the station promoted. Mm-hmm. All he needed was a cell phone, was his cell phone and a gun. He had bought the gun about a month or so ago, and he bought it legally, folks. Uh, he did pass the existing background checks. So he had the gun legally. And maybe that was it. Maybe that was the unrelated interview the day before that got him to thinking, you know, I ought to go kill this bitch. Now, I'm not, understand, folks, I'm not calling her a bitch. I'm saying that's what he was thinking. In his mind, that's what she was. Okay. We're still on this one. It says, family members quickly on television calling for gun control, Sandy Hostman. You've got to watch the interview the first interview that they did hours after the death. The boyfriend and the father is shed. These two guys are, are smoking and joking. Now, I mentioned the other day, I said, you know, normally I can pretty much handle anything. Um, I have been called cold on a number of occasions because, you know, when something traumatic happens, I get in there, I do what needs to be done, and I worry about it later. I can tell you, the morning that Antoinette died, I did what needed to be done to keep her alive until the paramedics got there. Once I handed her off to the paramedics, I was a basket case. Final arrangements and all that. And I'd be sitting there in the house, and I'd just start crying. Or I'd be talking to somebody on the phone. I'd tell them, i got to go. I-, I would be so emotional. It was uncontrollable, folks. You watch these two guys. They didn't lose anybody. They lost me. But emotionally, they didn't lose anybody. Not a tear. And the only time hurt the NRA. You know, that started me to thinking, where have I heard this all before? Richard Martinez, the Isla Vista, UC Santa Barbara shooting. Go look at Richard Martinez's tapes where he's screaming into the camera and supposedly crying about how his son got killed and 
and how it was, you know, the fault of the NRA and everybody else. Not a tear. Nothing. And here's something else about Mr. Andy uh, Andy Parker, Allison Parker's father. He's done TV commercials. He's done Broadway shows. He's an actor, folks. He currently works for a bank, but he used to be an actor, and I have seen, because if you go to YouTube and type in Andy Parker, actor, you will find videos of some of the TV commercials he's done. A number of them. The guy's an actor, or he was. Just like in the Sandy Hook shooting, a number of the people from the Sandy Hook shooting who have appeared on television now, a number of those people are in the acting and entertainment business. A number of them. A large number of them. Actors, folks. Go watch the video with Andy Parker. I think it was Anderson Cooper that was interviewing Andy Parker and this uh, Chris Hurst, the boyfriend, the boyfriend and the father, and, and, and tell me, count how many tears between the two of them they shed. You watch the video, folks. These are not people who just lost a loved one in a tragic, horrific killing. They're not. I'm telling you they're not. Go watch the video. It is crazy, Lou. And here he is. He just lost his daughter that morning. And he's talking about crazy people getting guns. We've got to do something about crazy people getting guns. We need more gun control. We need the politicians to do this, that, and the other thing. This guy just lost his daughter, and he's bragging on the NRA. You know, that would be the last thing on my mind. Okay, number 15, and we just touched on that. Andy Parkbother, a murdered reporter, happens to be a former Broadway actor. Uh, Andy Parker is now Director of Human Resources for Virginia National Bank. That doesn't mean anything. Um, White House Press Secretary Josh Earnest uh, quickly urged Congress to use common sense in order to reduce gun violence. Nothing about, you know, we're sorry for your loss. We're only uh, we're only interested in getting Congress to act. Obama administration quickly links the incident to a race war and gun owners perfectly in line with Flanagan's manifesto. Um, they're trying to blame this on the Black Lives Matter people. Number 19. Shooting takes place two days after the U.N. arms trade treaty in Mexico. Okay, that really doesn't mean much there, I don't think. Like I said, this was a black guy. They're trying to tie it to the Black Lives Matter movement. Started out good, and it has quickly deteriorated. And we'll have another show about that. But anyway, there you go, folks. Some of the points the guy makes, I agree with. Some of them I can dismiss. Uh, Lou, where are you at on all this after I told you all this? My mind is kind of reeling. Um, I don't know. I've brought up a number of questions as we were talking, and I did here too. Um so many things that are not accounted for. Different scenarios that could be. But the one that gets me is why are the the parents, the father, whoever not looking, screaming and hollering for justice for the child? An adult child, but still a child. Yeah, well, you know, Lou, the the shooter is supposedly dead. Right. 
I understand that. But they still should be hollering for justice. Everybody else does. Okay, well, his version of justice is that somehow the NRA enabled this guy to get a gun. And he's doing this all on his own. He doesn't have help from the group. You with me? Yeah, you know, I like. I would like to know. And and I've asked, you know, the the gun grabbers on Twitter. They they usually use the ha- hashtag gun sense to refute it. How would taking my guns away from me have prevented a shooting in Roanoke, Virginia? How would that have happened? I get no answer. Mm-hmm. They can't answer me. There is no there, there is no logical answer. Now I have had three great now and again, and this is kind of funny. Somebody will come up with, well, if you own a gun and it's in your home, and it's unsecured, and somebody breaks into your home and steals your gun, and takes it out, and shoots somebody, that's how it could happen. You know, they're, they're dealing with a lot of what-ifs. Gun is in my home. Uh, that usually doesn't happen because I carry my own guns. What if somebody breaks into my home? That usually doesn't happen either because technically I don't have a home. Mm-hmm. What if they steal a gun? Okay, that could happen. And they're going to take that gun clean across the country from Colorado to Virginia and go shoot somebody. Coming out for gun control, you know, we have to do something to keep the guns out of criminals' hands, etc., etc. We need more laws. Well, folks, there are thousands and thousands of laws against criminals having guns. There's only two ways that that you can prevent this. Number one, somebody has to design a drug to give to every human being to suppress the urge to kill. Number two, barring that, the only other way to prevent gun deaths is to confiscate and destroy every gun in the world and then confiscate and destroy everything else in the world that could be made to you, made, I mean, hell, you know, a piece of pipe and a couple of pieces of wood, I've got a zip gun, folks. Gun control will never work. Gun control is nothing more than control of the masses. When you when you take away the Second Amendment, you take away a citizen's last line of defense. Be realistic about this. Me with a shotgun and pistol is not going to be any match for the federal government and what it can throw at me. But... There's over 300 million people in this country. And the way Obama has been gutting the military, we are losing the military. We outnumber the military. And it's that potential that is the deterrent to tyranny. And it's not the Second Amendment. It's the potential that it shows the government. As long as you have the right to keep and bear arms, we are potentially stronger than the government. You take away the guns, the government becomes stronger, and they will do with you as they will. Okay, Lou, we only got five minutes left on the show. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I know I'm watching. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing is is really messed up as far as I'm concerned. 
A lot of things have to be found out. A lot of things have to be checked. And then I'm not even sure people are going to believe half of what happened. Or what didn't happen. It's just, it, it does not make sense. The majority of it does not make sense. If it did not take place, why was it out there? If it did if it did actually take place, then why is there not more basically uproar and so forth going on? I guess what I'm asking for is proof. Pure and simple, that's what I want is proof. Well, I'll tell you, Lou, and and folks, you've got to see the videos. You have to see the videos. The videos of the shooting, video afterwards, the CNN interview with... uh, with the boyfriend and the husband and the uh, father of Allison Parker. You have to see these folks. And while you're at it, go back and find Richard Martinez from the uh, UC Santa Barbara shooting and watch that guy in action. Anyway, um, Lou, we're going to try something different here. Uh, Blog Talk Radio has changed our switchboard a little bit. I can hit oh boy. the end episode. Now, and it's been like this for a couple of weeks, so just relax. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I can hit the end episode button, and I don't get the choice stay on the air or end episode. It just says end episode. Uh-huh. So what I want to do, Lou. Yeah, I'm here. Yes, I know. Um, what I want to do is just go ahead and continue with our conversation past um, the 7 o'clock hour, which this is a 60-minute show, folks. I'm showing I have nine minutes left. Like I said, if I click the end episode button, it's supposed to end the episode. Um, the old button gave me two choices, where the new button only gives me one. So I want to see what happens right at 7 o'clock. I want to see if a, if another thing pops up or if it just shuts us off. So if we're in the middle of a sentence, folks, and we disappear, that's what happened. It's an hour show. Um, that's what I pay for. So there you are. Okay, now you were going to say, Lou? I was finished. Okay. All right. Um. The um, this Allison Parker's mother, and I'll throw this in real quick before we get cut off. Allison Parker's mother said that there is the perceived thought that the Second Amendment allows you to keep a gun. Perceived notion is what she said. No, folks, the Second Amendment is not a perceived notion. It's enumerated. It is clear the Second Amendment allows citizens of the United States with very few restrictions to keep and bear arms. You know, convicted felons are not allowed to have guns, and the Supreme Court has upheld that. Uh, Certain people with mental illnesses are not allowed to keep. By and large, it is not a perceived notion. It is a right it is your right. You see where they're going with this, Lou? Yeah. They're trying to they're trying to tell you that what you believe is not true. That's what they're trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've had arguments with, with the gun sense, anti gun people, the well regulated militia, and I'm gonna tweet this link. Um after the show here. Did you know that the United States government has what they call the Civilian Marksmanship Program? 
and I know this because one of my customers down in Alabama, I, I get on the little side road that goes to their warehouse, and I noticed a big sign, you know, with kind of an official-looking steel and everything, and it says Civilian Marksmanship Program. Well, anyway, I looked into it, and look into it in Wikipedia, folks. This is really interesting. Program designed to keep uh, a ready supply of people who can handle a gun in the case of all-out war. That's what it does. It's a marksmanship program for people who are civilians who would be called into service in case North Korea decides to, you know, invade Washington State. The federal government program to train civilian marksmen well, isn't isn't that a part of what a militia is? A militia is a citizen soldier. Uh, did you also know that 22 states have state militias, including the state of Virginia? They are separate from the Reserve and National Guard. Look it up, Virginia State Militia. It is a component of the Virginia government, folks. It's not one of these right-wing, ad hoc, uh, good old boy network militias that you hear about. This is run by the state government. The governor is the commander of the state militias in 22 states. Okay, I'm showing that we're three minutes over. And I haven't, we haven't been cut off the air. Maybe maybe we can go a little longer without having to do anything extra here, Luke. Okay. All right. Anyway, let me let you go ahead and get your final thoughts, and we'll go ahead and end the episode. Well, my final thoughts really are basically what I said. I want proof as to did it or did it not take place. And the other thing is what I always say, and especially with the storms we're having here in, in the entire state of Florida, Slow down, take your time, relax, and you'll get there in one piece. Nobody will be looking for you, and you won't be looking for somebody else. Just slow down, take it easy, and please don't run my guys off the road. That's all I ask. And be safe. Is it still pouring down rain over there? Not at the moment. Not Not here at the house. Well, I'll take a look at the uh, I'll take a look at the radars. But when I made my check call to the company today, uh, the lady in the office was telling me, you know, that uh, she's getting other news reports from other drivers down in the southeast, and they're all hitting heavy rain. Uh huh. Um, I know there's another guy that's just ahead of me. I think he has Atlanta for tomorrow. No, I think he had Atlanta for this morning. We should have had. We should have had two trucks in Atlanta this morning. So at least, you know, both of them probably called in for lumber money, and, you know, she's getting the road report. Anyway, folks, please, see the videos for yourself. Look for the tears being shed. Look for the emotion from two people who just violently lost a loved one. Oh, that was another thing, and I want to clear this up real quick. Um, supposedly, this uh, Chris Hurst had posted a tweet on Twitter an hour before the killing. Um, that is false. Here's what happened. Somebody decided that they were going to timestamp, and you can do this. You can change the timestamp in Twitter. You can change it to your local time. Somebody changed their timestamp and took a screenshot of it at 6.34 when in actuality it was posted at 7.34 Eastern after the shooting. So don't believe everything you see and hear on the Internet, folks. And that includes me. You go check it out for yourself. Watch the videos. Pay attention to it. And especially 
the video between Richard Martinez and Andy Parker. I don't like it, folks. You know, we have a problem in this country with gun violence. And more laws are not going to change that. It's just like I had a conversation the other day on Twitter about Nathan Dunlap and uh, Governor Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper basically put off Nathan Dunlap's execution. Nathan Dunlap went into a Chuck E. Cheese and killed a bunch of employees. For that, he was given the death penalty. Hickenlooper has suspended the death penalty in Colorado. I said Nathan Dunlap's sentence was before I ran for governor and before Hickenlooper beat. Had I been governor in 2010, I would have let the conviction and the sentence stand. And Nathan Dunlap would be dead now. That does not mean that I am for or against, and that's a whole other story. But a prior court um, passed the sentence. It was signed. And and that's that. Nathan Dunlap is gone. As far as I'm concerned, I would not have changed it. I would have let the conviction and the death sentence stand, and let him be con- let him be uh, executed. That's where I stand on Nathan Dunlap. Where I stand on the death penalty is another, you know, that's another story. The interviews: Richard Martinez, Andy Parker, Chris Hurst. Find, find the grieving people. Between them three, they did not shed a tear. And you can't tell me they were all cried out. I mean, we're literally talking hours after the killing. Like I said, folks, I went for weeks. It was a very traumatic experience, and it took a long time to get over and get my, my feet back on the ground. And normally, like I said, I'm pretty tough. I can handle this crap. Life has thrown a lot at me, and I've taken a lot, and I've, and I've pushed it away. Even one of my friends in the office, you know, a couple of months after Aunt died, one of my friends in the office said, you know, he said, I look up to you because I don't know how you can handle that all. And I told him, I said, ma'am, we've got to move on. You know, she's just as dead five minutes or five months, but she's just as gone. And you got to move on with your life. And that's what I did. But for weeks afterwards, I was in pretty rough shape, folks. These guys, they're not shedding a tear. They're standing there joking. They're smiling. Both of them. You know, now people handle traumatic situations differently. But it would be very unusual to get two of them together that are just standing there joking. I question the Virginia shooting. I have not, I haven't come up with, with the answer yet. But I don't like it, folks. There's too many oddities. <coughs> anyway, thanks for listening. I am going to close with our closing theme, and we will see you here next week. Uh, thank you, Lou. I appreciate all of the uh, all of the input, and everything that you've done for me personally and for the show and all that. So thank you very much. And, uh, folks, we will see you here next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock Mountain, for our Sunday show. I'll go set it up here just after we finish. And, uh, Lou, give me about 15 minutes, and I'm going to give you a call back. Okay. All right. Anyway, folks, we'll see you here next Sunday. Appreciate you listening. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Brian is not here, but please don't drive like my son. And I'm sure he would say don't drive like my father. Anyway, uh, stay warm and dry. We'll see you here next Sunday. Thanks a lot, folks. Bye-bye.